Shut up and sit down. Mad Get Radio episode number 44. Now, I know what you're thinking. Two episodes in a week. The boys are fucking smashing it out of the court. But on tonight's show, we're here to discuss the imminent War in the North tournament, which is being held at the heart of the Scottish Wildlings in Common Ground Games. And as always, I am joined by the Morpheus to my Neil. It is Paolo. How's it going, buddy? It's good, man. Feels weird. Feels like we've just done this. going to burn out. Yeah, exactly. It's all about, you know, waiting for the right moment when the stars align. It's quality over quantity. Which I is why, agree. after, what, three or four years of doing this, we're only at episode 44. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into the War of the North lists for the list review, uh, what's going on, Paolo? Are you all set for the weekend? Have you got all your stuff painted and ready to rock? Yeah, everything's painted. Um, I'm still fiddling about with, like, all the little tournament organising bits and bobs, getting all the prize support together and making sure I've got all the necessary things to hand for the trek through. But um, yeah, painting-wise, I'm pretty organised. What about you? Uh, I am. I am. I finished my... Um, you sure? You don't sound sure? Yeah, no, I think I am. Yeah. I finished my fell race last night and I touched up a few skeletons, which were a wrong shade. And yeah, I touched up my hex rates as well. Not hex rates, what they call them, Spectre Hunters. And yeah, no, I am. I'm ready to rock. The only thing that I'm going to try and do before the weekend is I've got some uh, kind of unit filler bits and pieces to make up in case I grow my skeletons to be on starting size. In case. In, in case. Ha 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 ha. Quite nice in it mean... every turn. Fucking <laughs> inevitable in those, yeah. in those lists. Yeah, I've got, I think I've got like. 50 skeletons worth of unit fillers, which I don't think I've ever had more than that on the table, so I think that'll probably do. Um, so yeah, so I think that's me ready to rock. Oh, I, there is one thing I need to do, and you'll be proud of me. I did remember to pick up some black primer for my... Oh, <laughs> I was told the wood finish isn't a good look, so I've been bullied into priming my infantries. There was a part of me that was hoping you were going to say that, like, a lot, and I'm actually ashamed how much I wanted you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've got that to do. I've got some uh, minis to find for James. I promised him some works that I've got in a shed somewhere. Yeah. You can have old summit edition minis. Ooh, goodies. Goodies and gummins. Um, so before we get on to the, the event, uh, we've got a very brief salt mine. Uh, so let's take a little trip down to everyone's favourite salt miner. Yeah, baby. It's salt time. So on tonight's salt mine, uh, Paolo, you've got something to get very salty about. Yeah, well, I should say, I'm not taking credit for this. This is from the Soulbinder himself. <gasps> um, oh, my days. We were lucky enough to get some games in over the weekends. Mm-hmm. And um, prior to kicking off, as he is wanting to do from time to time, 
he decided to indulge in a rant about rules bloat. I think we were talking about the Vermisworm book, but I think he was more talking kind of generally, um, certainly in response to a lot of the new LEBs, there does seem to be this push for increasing the number of special rules kind of sprinkled throughout the book. Like every unit seems to have its own independent special rule now. And I think his point was that it's just so difficult to learn what everything does. It's increasing the complexity of the game. When you look at how big like the, the core rule book is and how many special rules are there, I think he maybe just feels that you could make better use of those to differentiate what units you've got in the book. And obviously you would still have like your army specific rules to give you that kind of flavor and like variety throughout the book. But then you don't need to be adding stuff on top of that for every entry. And like I think he's he's right, like especially like when you think of books like the Vermin's Run book, because it is such a big roster. It's a very long book. So adding like fifteen to twenty special rules on top of the army wide special rules just feels like completely unnecessary. And even if it's just like one or two lines, it's still stuff that you better remember, right? So totally see where he's coming from. Yeah, it's kind of like what we were discussing last episode with uh, Jaunty and Kaz, right? And Kaz summed that up perfectly by just saying, you know, not every unit needs a special rule. Yeah. And uh, I think some of the LABs, Cock Cock, Infernal Dwarves. Oh, I just beat the Infernal Dwarf team. Come on! <laughs> they were particularly bad. I mean, when the book came out, it was like, oh, this is awesome because there's so much new cool stuff in here. But like the practical implications of that, like the reality of actually playing with that book is... It does increase the learning curve yeah. and it, it increases the complexity of a game that's already very complicated. And, like, especially when you're comparing it to, like, the Warrior book, when there was, this was back when they had this whole, like, balance team in conjunction with, like, the design team and, like, the points team and stuff. And it was just, like, it was so difficult to get things through because they were trying to stick to this very rigid, complexity budget idea and that seems to have just completely been thrown out the window now so this is why people are like calling for should well it was certainly a discussion in the internal threads um, at one point was halfway through the LEB process is there any kind of um, justification for going back and revisiting the first two books that were done and actually seeing if there's too much of a difference between the process, between how they were done and how the other like five or six were done at that point, which I don't think they should do. I, I think they should just batter through the books and get them all done. Like I don't think adding more rules is is a good thing. I think we could easily adjust the odd thing without having to like detract from that process. So I hope they don't do that. But I mean, the book yeah. stats, right? Like if you want to make a unit feel different, you change the stats and. Yeah, I know. I I I a hundred percent agree. I think there's there's too much of that, and it's kind of like the two extremes, right? Because you don't want to go back to the complexity budget bullshit yeah. that was going on originally, but you don't want this. And the only book that gets away with it is Demons because it has to be different. Um, and I think people have just kind of got their head around the Demon book, um, and that needs to be an exception to the rule kind of thing moving forward. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they don't do that with too many. I mean, I guess some people would make that argument about things like dwarves, because that seems to be the case just now, and the fact that they have like an entire, their own magical selection and things like that, and that changes some aspects of, of the book, but hopefully 
Demons is the exception, and the other yeah. 15 are more in line with each other. I'd be changing that for the Dwarf book, to be honest. I'd be far more in line with everything else. Well, I mean, like Martin's point about how many special rules there are just in the main rule book. Like, yeah. there's no reason why you just can't use them. And as I say, you can still have, like, army book-specific stuff that applies to multiple units that still gives you that flavour of what you're going for. And that, coupled with, as you say, changes to stats and then just adding the odd special rule from the main rule book seems like that would give you quite yeah. a lot of variation, you know? That's not to say that you can't have, like, some units with special rules, but, like, those units shouldn't, you know, that shouldn't be the majority of entries in the army book, right? Yeah, it should be reflective of the book, and it might make more sense in some books that those special rules are applied to core, or it might make more sense in some books that they're not, they're applied to special. It just depends. Hopefully things get a little bit more streamlined. I mean, the Dreadoff book is, is kind of an exception to that, because I remember reading that the first time and thinking it was very concise and quite yeah. focused, and it didn't feel like it was over the top at all. It was much more easy to understand the first time reading it through. So you can't do it. it. It just seems to be a difference in the design teams that are working on each book. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But I would agree with Martin. It's it's cool when it comes out, but it's just frustrating. Like it's it's nice to see new stuff and be excited with new rules, but really it's it's probably not necessary to the degree that it has been getting done. So yeah, I'd agree. It's a balance, right? You've got to strike that balance. Yeah, and I mean, how many books are we through now? How many LEBs are there? Uh, Warriors, Demons, Vermin, Infernal Dwarves, Dread Elves, five. Holy shit, that's quite a lot. So you'd think, you know, 33% of the way through, almost, they'd be starting to get a little bit more consistent. But mm. We'll see. Maybe now that they're starting to speed up, they'll with less time between books, maybe that'll help. Interesting to see what they do with the POE and Saurians coming up. Because both of them, you would imagine, are going to be pretty special who, uh, special who, special rule heavy, but uh, I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah. Okay, you win this one, Martin. One note to the salt liner. <laughs> We're clearly not been keeping track of every other salt liner nope. he's proposed. one note, one note. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so let's jump into the main topic of the show. Magic Radio. So, Paolo, for those who have been living under a rock, what is War in the North? Uh, so, War in the North is basically just an excuse to get together and play some games in Ninth Age. I think, given the emergence out of lockdown and the Ninth Age tournament calendar starting to kick off, I think. Initially, there was a little bit of uncertainty as to when the first Scottish event was going to be. And obviously, there would normally be Siege towards the end of the year. We'd have Strife kind of in the middle and then obviously the Scottish champions at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And coming out a lot then when we did, I don't think we were 100% sure that Siege was going to happen. No. Just for various reasons. So given that, I just kind of figured it would be nice to have something going on just because... There's events going on elsewhere in the UK, and for people that struggle to travel, it would be nice to have something in Scotland. So that was kind of the main motivation for it. Just really an excuse to get people together while we can, because God knows what it's going to look like in another six weeks. So 
get together, throw some dice, have some fun, play some games. Um, so that's kind of why it's not one of the normal Scottish events. That's why it's not a siege or a strife. It's just something that I threw together. Pretty simple, just a two-day event. We can just kind of hang out and enjoy ourselves. The one kind of difference, I guess, with this event, we had a suggestion from Tim, who had thought that what would be kind of cool is if we had a kind of closed list style event where people just turn up and we don't know lists in advance and you just get thrown together and you have to work it out as you're playing. So that was kind of interesting, kind of asking around. A lot of people did seem to be more keen on seeing the lists in advance. So I think we've kind of struck a kind of good compromise whereby this episode will get released in conjunction with the lists, but only a couple of days before. So you'll everyone will be able to see the lists, but you're not going to have weeks to like fucking study the shit out of them. So hopefully it's enough to give you an, an idea of what's going to be getting thrown around on the day. But um, yeah, hopefully it just kind of strikes that balance between keeping things fresh and just giving people some time with the lists if they feel like they need it. If they can nerds. Yeah, the nerds that like to sit down and study the shit out of lists. Um, the other thing that I've done with this, so normally with our events, like most other events in the UK, it, they're kind of like Tourney Keeper supported. We're not doing a Tourney Keeper page, and the reason for that is I'm going to be announcing pairings only immediately before the round. So apart from round one grudges, which we've said that's okay if people just want to guarantee their first round, you're not going to know what you're playing until right before the round starts. So you're not going to get that half an hour to 60 minutes to sit and think about the list that you're going to have to play against. And it's going to be the same for the deployment in the scenario. So after round one, everyone who's going to be at the event won't know who they're playing, what the scenario is, or what the deployment style is going to be right before the round starts. Ironically, it probably does encourage people to study the lists so that they are more familiar with all of them because theoretically you you could play any of them and you've got no idea. You're not going to have that time to study in advance of the round. But because we're limiting that time, as I say, it kind of strikes that balance. We're trying to keep things more fresh and also a little bit more casual. Like We don't really want people to be worrying too much. This is, as I say, just an event for fun. Yeah, I mean, 18-man event, right? So just yeah, it's not huge. Dice. Don't be worrying yeah. about stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, like it's always nice to do well in an event. Um, or so I hear. I've never actually done well in an event. <laughs> I imagine it would be nice. But um, yeah, it's just an excuse to see people that we've not seen in like 18 months, you know? So. Yeah, and that's not true. You came second in uh, Siege last year, or two years ago. Oh yeah, so it is. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for that reminder. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. That wasn't just a setup. Promise. There you go, a little confidence boost <laughs> ahead of the weekend. You can no. do it, Paul. No, it's okay. John T. Carried this that year. <laughs> oh no, everybody knows that. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> I got a couple of solid scores, um, but yeah, I think he like he did particularly well day one, <laughs> and then instantly beans it when he realised he could win all his games. <laughs> yeah, basically, once the pressure was really on, he fucked it in a classic Wilding fashion. Yeah. Right, so before we go through the list, um, who are the sponsors for the event? Oh, that's a very good question. So we are very lucky that we have kind of two main sponsors. We have Rotten Factory, who have been very nice, and they have sent some lovely minis. Um, and they're going to be up for grabs as the first prize. 
Uh, we also have some very nice 3D printed trophies from Whitefoot 3D. Um, I think I'm right in thinking that they have supported a lot of the Welsh events in the past. Oh, and, okay. I've, and I've done some of their trophies and things. But they're really good. They have a lot of like their own specific designs and things. So it's not all like your kind of standard 3D printed uh, trophies, which tend to be kind of Age of Sigmar mm. kind of inspired. And obviously in the past we've went with Dark Fantastic Mills, who are mm-hmm. also like a fantastic company. People should check them out. But I think I'm right in saying that he's scaled back a little bit what trophies yeah. he's doing for events. Gary's yeah, just focusing on the terrain now. Yeah, and his terrain's lovely, so like people should check that out if you're after some good terrain. So that kind of forced us to look around a little bit, and I stumbled across Whitefoot, and it's really, really nice. Like as I say, they've got like their own designs, so it's it's a little bit of variety from what we normally get. So that's great. So we've got three very nice different trophies. We're doing only first place, best sport, and best painted as prizes, just because. It was kind of clear from the outset that this was more likely to be a small event. So, uh, you know, when you've got this few players, having a first, second and third feels a little bit redundant. So this will maybe just encourage people to go balls out and just go for the big wins as well and keep it nice and fun. Because um, only first place matters. But that's not true. Sports and best painted, they, they match. So they're going to get their prizes. Top three. The real top three. Yeah, they're the real top three. And... um Whitefoot have also been very generous. They've given us like a 50% off voucher. So that's going to be part of the Best Army Prize. Nice. Um, and they have a lot of really nice terrain and bits and bobs. So that's it's another really good company, not just for things like trophies, but they do a lot of other stuff that are, would be very useful um, in the hobby. So I think it is something like 50% off up to the value of £250. So basically, I think for around that price, you can get like a table, a full six by four tables worth of terrain, and you'll get it for half. You'll get 125 pounds off. So really good, really, really good, really good price. And then we've also got some a couple of freebies from counter attack bases. So I this year I have taken some of the tournament money and got some nice custom dice made. So everyone will get a couple of little. Freebie dice for turning up. Some patented space goblin dice <laughs> that roll terribly, so it's just <laughs> it's just I couldn't have planned it any better. And they they threw in some free like uh, archetypes and little like widgets and stuff. So that'll supplement some of the other prizes. I think probably best sports and best painted will get um, a couple of like little widgets and archetypes and maybe a couple of extra dice. So that'll be good. And then best sport, they're going to have their own. Fancy little trophy. I actually think the trophy for best sports the coolest. I'll say no more. Uh, I'll I'll post some pictures up on the old Twitter on the day and people can see it for those of you that aren't going to make it. But it's a very cool trophy. And they're just going to get a big bottle of beer because, you know, yes. that's that's the best prize you can possibly get at a tournament. So. so that's our sponsors. So thank you very much to all three companies. Very lovely to be supported. Rotten Factory in particular, they've they've helped out before. Yeah. So big big thank you to them. And if you haven't checked out Rotten Factory, where have you been living? Because their stuff is insane. Go and check out their website. Yeah, they've got a really nice, quite recently released new range of stuff up that's 
per- perfect for like a demon or, or warrior or like cult cultist style army. He keeps tempting me, does old Pavel. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's a good option to go with low model count. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're doing demons. <laughs> then you want all the options. <laughs> well, the only thing left to do then is start going through all these lists. So how many uh, players do we have and what does the army composition look like? So, albeit it's a fairly small event, we've only got 18 players, but it's pretty good. We've actually got 11 out of the 16 army books. So a really nice spread. We're missing demons, KOE, dwarves, uh, vermin swarm, cha-ching. And <laughs> what's the other one? Let's not edit out this silence. Let's keep this in for dramatic, <laughs> for dramatic effect. And the winner is... Who knows? KOE, dwarves, demons, vermin swarm, and another army that obviously weren't is important in the game. even fucking be remembered. That's really annoying, because before I was like, I could remember all of them, and I kept forgetting demons, and now I can remember demons, and I can't remember the other one. It'll be obvious. What we'll do is we'll leave it as a competition. There you we go. Won't, we won't say it. If you want to win a very special prize... Email us at the uh, email address we'll give you at the end, and we'll send you a wee prize if you can tell us what the 16th army is that isn't going to be there. And there a big go. kiss on the lips for being a clever boy. <laughs> From Martin. <laughs> <laughs> going to be inundated with emails. <laughs> um, right, so we'll go through them in army book order uh, in mm. terms of the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, for, we're, so uh, we're so good at this. We're so, 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 good, so good at podcasting. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll go through the alphabet. And uh, any army book that has multiple players, what we'll do is we'll talk about both lists at the same time so we're not repeating stuff. And we'll yeah. we'll and at the end, we'll, we'll pick out a couple of our favourites and fire in some absolutely dog shit, worthless predictions. Uh, and uh, yeah, that that will do, Peg. That will do. Sounds good. Right, I'll kick things off with Dread Elves. Then. Uh, so Dread Elves is the first up, and we have the one and only Frazar Campbell. Is this uh, the same uh, Fraz? Is this? Oh God, I, I don't know if it is. Is this Fraz? I hate Dread Elves. Campbell playing Dread Elves. It is. It is. I hate. Oh my uh, days! What Campbell. celebrity? What a time um, to be alive? Although, it should be said, he isn't running a Cosmo <laughs> Warlock. So he decided to take Dread Elves, but he decided to take the worst possible composition of Dread Elves. Well, they brought, I mean, he brought Acolytes just so he can get access to what he thinks is the best Cosmo style, so... God. He's, yeah. So, yeah, basically, Fraz is running Dread Elves. He's gone for double um, Temple Exarch, is that what they're called now? The old fucking... Yep. What were they called before? I can't even remember. Uh, what they Temple Digates. Yeah. So he's got one on Div, one on Alchemy, both with each having like their respective lore-specific upgrades. So one's Battle Oracle, one's a Warshna. Um He also has a quite a cheap BSB with Seal of Republic, Halberd, a couple of Ether Icons, Crack Inside. And then he's got a big block of Spears, so some Shadow Riders and Core, two units of Corsairs. He's got a big block of Judicators. He's running ten Warlock Acolytes. With a champion. Thank you. Uh, 10 Obsidian Guard, position 3 Hunting Chariots, and a Hydra. So, 3 three Chariots. Praz does love a good Chariot list, doesn't he? 
Yeah, that's no, cool. What do you think of this? Because um, I think this is what he's been on in the last couple of games, or it's a version of it at least. He's obviously you, been enjoying. I hear you like furiously typing. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not typing. I'm just I'm just uh, scrolling furiously up and down. Yes, yeah, yeah. so he's got the um, the upgrade on the warlocks to give the um, wizard conclave. So he's got three adepts in the list. Yeah. So you'll have seven stones. Yeah. Well, has he got the... No, he doesn't well, have the them, so he's got six. You want to get two on that account? You want to get three? Is that a choice of, choice of two or four? I think it, yeah, two or four. I think that's okay. Right. Kadrian's Tenon, is that the one that gives um, plus one to wound consistently? No, that's the Executioner's Icon, so that's on the Spears. So the Spears always have plus one to wound. Okay. The X-Arts are cool. They're surprisingly resilient. Because they still get their 4-plus Aegis in combat, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. But it's only in combat, so this, that's obviously the, the downside, especially with so many snipes kind of out these days. Do you think he splits them up, or does he keep them together? Um, he probably splits them up, simply just so he doesn't have to, you know, t- <laughs> take any squeaky bum time uh, panic checks or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, it's basically two blocks, right, and support and chariots. Uh, the Obsidian Guard can sit at the back and be a bunker if he needs. Um, they're also got the, the six-inch panic thing. So, yeah, and he's got, like, a fair bit of shooting in terms of the Corsairs with the repeater handbows and uh, yeah. Shadow Riders. So. That's, that's interesting. Like, the two units of handbows rather than having two units of auxiliaries. Like, are the Corsairs just more mobile? Do you think that's why he's going for it? More mobile. They're actually pretty decent in combat just because they've got the amount of attacks with um, the Dread Elf special rule. Um, yeah. They're, yeah, they're decent. Like, they're, they're not great, and obviously they're not scoring, but they're, they're decent, and they're just a pain in the arse because they're like 200 points, and like a lot of the time you don't really want to be going after them because you've got to be concentrating on the blocks. So if you go after them, you're wasting your time, but, you know, he gets out of that, so... The three hunting chariots is a very solid choice, especially having seen the rest of the list now. That's gonna that's gonna do him very well over the weekend. And what does the harpin do these days? Is this still limiting movement? Is it causes so, wounds? Yeah. So the the hunt chariot has the uh, dragon's bane harpoon, which is range eighteen, one shot, strength sixty per ten, multiple wounds, d three crits fire, reload. And if a model with terror presence has lost one or more health points due to the attack with the shooting weapon, it loses fly and swift strike until the end of the next player turn. So oh, fly and swift strike. That's pretty good. Very good, very good. I think it used to limit, it was it, like you took a, a negative to your advance or march before, I think. Yes, yeah, and I think in an upcoming change, it's going to have two types of ammunition or something like that. I've seen that discussed in the forum. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, I think it is going to change again, but uh, I think given the list which we're about to discuss, it's a very solid choice. And uh, that was a late tweak to the list, and I think it's a really good one. Mm-hmm. And the Hydra is just awesome anyway. Looking at most of the units, there's the most expensive units, 540 points. Most yeah. of them are under 400. A lot of them are under 300. So there's a lot of kind of expendable type units whereby, you know, just a lot of annoying shit. Like you say, the raiding party are annoying, chariots are annoying. I mean, the 10 Obsidian Guards are only 230 points. So, like, they're obviously synergizing with other parts of the list, but you can't ignore them because they'll still easily take off small units just because they're so elite. He's just got to watch for stuff like flags. He's only got three scores, and one of them is very fragile in the Obsidian Guard. So, 
mm. um, potentially an easy point there for the flag scenario. But I, I mean, it's still a good list. It's a little bit more dynamic than his kind of standard rush list that he's been running recently. So I think he's got a watch that doesn't overextend himself a bit. <laughs> Because uh, it's like Dread Elves need to be in combat because if they're not in combat they're going to die to range stuff but at the same time it's not the three blocks of death that he's been running before yeah. so he's got to be a little bit more canny about how he sets things up but I, I really like it I think the Warlocks are a cool addition as well What do you think of the magic? Uh, it'll be interesting like, I, I don't, I, this is where I disagree with Raz I think the, the magic in the Dread Elf looks really strong especially with the uh, Warlock and his ability yeah. it's just I, I I wouldn't be leaving home without one, but... It is nice to see something different, though. It's nice to see a list that it doesn't take him, because I think most people would agree that he is very strong. So yeah. it's nice to see if something like this is good enough to be effective as well. Yeah. I know um, James Brown, not the very famous soul singer. Not the reverend. But the um, New Zealand ETC player, I think he's a big fan of the Warlock Acolytes. I played him before, I'm sure he was running them as well. And then I think he had a list where he was running like multiple units of acolytes. They're obviously pretty effective, so it's cool. Nice. Big question is, is it going to be painted, Raz? Well, he set himself the lofty goal of five Corsairs a day to paint. Nah, he's fucked it already. That's too much for Raz. I think that's a tall order, but we'll wait and see. (laughs) Right, so that's Dreadhill, so we'll move on. So... It's time for the beloved Empire of Sunstone. We have two players in this category. We have Michael Doherty, also known as Doc, and we have Tim Ross. So Tim's ditched the Woodland Hippies for the Empire for this one. So in Michael's list, he's got a Knight Commander, who's his general, with Cavalry Pick, Titanic, uh, Might, Shield, Winter Cloak. He's got Marshall, BSB on a horse, with Great Tactician, Death Warrant, Ether Icon, times two. He's got a Prelate on the horse, with Plate Armor, Shield, Obsidian Rock, and the Locker of Suna. He's got a Wizard Master on Cosmo on foot, with the Heirloom and Essence of Mithril. He's got a pretty bare-bones Marshal, just with a great weapon. And then in core, he's got 15 Knightly Orders, with Lances and Stalker Standard. 15 Light Infantry with Handguns, Musician Standard, and Marksman's Pennant. So that's the banner that gives you... It lets you stand and shoot without penalty. Mm-hmm. He's got two units of ten militia uh, irregulars, so the skirmish ones, because why would Michael ever leave home without them? And then he's got 25 Imperial Guard, full command, banner of unity and great weapons. So the banner of unity is the Empire standard that if they are targeted with an order, they can give out another order within six inches. Two units of writer with brace of pistols, which are just, oh, they're so spicy. Double mortar and the ubiquitous steam tank. And then Tim is running uh, a similar but different emphasis kind of list. Uh, he's got a martial general great tactician on foot with uh, the Imperial Seal, uh, which is one of armor and plus one leadership. So he'll be leadership 10. Uh, Death Warrant, Shield and Obsidian Rock. He's got a martial on horse, who's his BSB, who's pretty bare bones. He's got a shield for one of armor and a lance. He's got a wizard adept on divination on an arcane engine with foresight, which is the lightning reflexes one. He's got a wizard on horse, who's an adept on cosmology with exemplars flame. And I think this is the first time I've ever seen exemplars <laughs> flame taken. So that is, uh, you can choose in his uh, or any player turn to drop a veil token and give a unit within 18 inches, I think, lethal strike. Uh, but it only affects that player turn. So you, it doesn't, you can't like buff it for your turn and the next one. I thought you were going to say flaming attacks. Nah, flaming attacks. That's too obvious. Yeah. 
Uh, you're not thinking in 3D, Paul, come on. There's two prelates, uh, both with shields. One has the mantle of Ulor, because apparently you want you to burn points. Uh, the mantle of Ulor, for anyone that doesn't know, is if you, if you charge them, you don't get the plus one agility. Okay. I don't think that's particularly great, but um, Tim will undoubtedly prove me wrong. How many points so is that? I think it's, I want to say 35, it may be 30 now. It's expensive oh, for what it is. Yeah, you could take the fucking... Take the crystal ball or something for that, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, and Corey's got 37 heavy infantry, full command, rending banner, and halberds. Uh, he's got a 20 man unit heavy infantry, so a support unit with halberds, five unit of electoral cav with great weapons, another five uh, electoral cav with great weapons. One's got a champ, one doesn't. We've got musicians. He's got 10 light infantry with crossbows, a champion with a long rifle. Tim, you're a madman. Stop <laughs> it. He's got 33 Imperial Guards, uh, great weapons in the household standard, so that is if the general's in there, he gets boosted to range to his inspiring presence. He's got five writers with brace pistols, a steam tank, a volley gun, and a cannon. So both most, very mixed arms. I guess Tim's list is more static than Michael's. Uh, yeah, more because he's got his artillery park. Well, Michael's got his double more as well, so. Yeah. I've kind of played Michael so I, with this list, so I've kind of got an idea of how it actually, or how he likes to use it. And I think it's actually quite a good list. Like I quite like most of yeah, the, cool. the, the stuff in it. Like the Cav boss, basically, will be kicking about with the writer and all the characters in it. And then he's just got his little vanilla marshal to hang out in the Imperial Guard. And with the banner, he can give the extra order to the handguns, which will be next to them. And then yep. their regulars will just be floating about, and they'll probably be supported by the stank. And the mortars will just be whatever they need to be. So he's kind of got like raging that you're giving out his battle plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is one of the rare instances where I can read a list and kind of have an idea of what the fuck it is. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't need to do this. He could he could he could run it more conventionally. But I think this is the cool thing about it is the fact that he can do this. With it, if he wants to. Yeah. I think in the version, it was a slightly different version than I played him against. He had two marshals in that list for the Imperial Guard block. So he just had that level of redundancy where one could, like, just fuck off out the unit and then be chaff, because Michael likes using characters as chaff. And then it keeps the bodyguard on the unit and he can still benefit from the orders. Yeah. For 155 points, it's pretty decent. Because I guess you can do the, because orders at the start of the turn, right? Yes. Yeah. So you can give them. Else. So you can give them on the double. You can give the martial extra movement to run out. So you can not just move it four. So you yeah. get a little bump, which is nice. And the BSB's got great tactician, so he can be given the night block two orders if he needs, or he can be buffing light infantry if they're nearby. So. Yeah. No, I think it's good. Um, yeah. I quite like and this he's list. He's got probably shooty. Yeah, best lore in the game, so yeah. he's already on a winner. Yeah, exactly. Um, what do you think of Tim's list? I, I think I prefer Michael's. Uh, not entirely convinced by the magic in Tim's because he's got two adepts. He's got the, the prelates, obviously, of the prayers and the uh, arcane engine gives him a bound version of uh, foresight is, is it perception, perception strength. strength. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he's got a decent amount of magic, but it's too much. Empire needs magic. You need redundancy built into your magic for Empire, and I don't think he's got it. So I think he was struggling in that department. Michael's done something similar in one of his lists where he's had like double altar 
for double of perception of strength, and then he's running shields everywhere, and then he's got the distracting wagons, and he just has like that level of, as you say, redundancy, where everything's probably hitting you on a four if it's got lightning reflexes, if not a five, just with a parry and distracting combo, and then he can um, cast perception of strength multiple times, and with multiple prelates, and obviously cast yeah. the age of save multiple times. And it's just quite a resilient list, especially for Empire. You think that's kind of what the double prelate situation is? He's just trying to spam bound spells and hope that that's enough. Yeah, but I, I, I guess I'm assuming that one prelate goes in the heavy infantry and one goes in the Imperial Guard. Yeah, oh, but, does, I, I yeah, doesn't have the altar, so he can't. I mean, the big strength there. of Tim's list, especially in the field that he's going to be up against, is that he's got the steam tank, which is always just a really good choice, and he's got a cannon. Yeah. And there's a lot more to just cutting about. Um, so if he sets off and kind of uses his blocks defensively and, and picks up points from range, I think he's still going to be in a you know a good position. But like Michael's got that as well in terms of the mortars because the mortars can just be dropping strength six bombs and hoping he rolls the four pluses. I'm looking at Tim's list. What does he have for chaff? He's got one unit writer. One unit writer. I mean the cav. Chaff's over eight. Come on. I mean the electro cav are cheap enough to be cav, but they're electro cav like. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really like the electro calf darts. I think they're really good. What's the discipline? I Garbage. think I think still eight. Really? Yeah. Why? Because they're meant to be knights and elite. I'm pretty sure they're they're still eight. That seems high. You're high. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> discipline. That's surprising. I think. <laughs> that that is the prep. Yeah. That is okay. That is good. Okay. Yeah, they're they're really good for scoring darts. I guess it's like it's just fit them in a lot of the empire lists. But he's managed to do that here. So mm. yeah, I I like the both. Um, do you prefer Michaels? Um, yeah, probably prefer Michaels. Probably just because I can see more how that list operates. Mm-hmm. But Tim might have been able to see the matrix. And maybe see, you've just little, been by <laughs> little okay. link around there. You like that? Yeah. Nice. Maybe um. You don't like Tim's as much because it reminds you more of like your old lists having a gun line, and you're maybe just you just don't. Like I never ran it. I never ran a gun line. That's a that's, that's a, a that's a vicious rumor. Those no. CTC pictures are doctored. No. <laughs> <laughs> Insert Vietnam flashbacks here. Okay, so highborn elves. We've got Mark Greensills coming up, and he has a high prince as his general on an ancient dragon. He's got. A longbow with Elu's Heartwood upgrades. He's rocking a great weapon, Obsidian Rock, with a lucky charm. He has the go-to battle standard bearer commander with Master of Cranock Tower, because why wouldn't you take that? He's also running a Master of Cosmology. See, people must just listen to our podcast and take notes, because everyone's yeah. taking Cosmology now. Uh, 30 Sea Guards, 10 Highbot Monsters, 6 Knights of Rima, 20 Queen's Guard. That's an expensive unit. With Banner of the Common and three Sea Guard Reapers. So there's fuck all in this list because he's got a dragon, 20 Queen's Guard, and 30 Sea Guard. It's a spicy meatball. Yeah, but I think he's been doing really well with it. So it's obviously an effective list. What do you think of this? It's, it, it's tight. It's, it's compact, right? Like yeah. I really don't rate the highborn answers. They're obviously do well because Mark's been playing this for a while now. Hmm. But they're core, right? They are core. Are they only shin five on the charge? Yeah. What's their armor save? Like two plus? Three two plus? up, yeah. 
they're they're really fast though, right? They've got quite a large threat range. Yeah, they're moving eight, I think, off the top of my head. And then Rhymer nine. I think they might be eight. My brain's telling me eight. No, they are nine. You're right on that one. Oh, one, 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 one. Nice, <laughs> nice. Oh, because the Highborn Lances are nine as well. Fucking shy. Oh, are they? Okay, yeah. so very, very speedy. He's got a lot of shooting, and he's, I guess, the if you deploy eight wide with the Sea Guard, you can do the whole cover volley shenanigans. Yeah, so, I actually played a very similar list. I played Colin with a very similar list uh, last week or the week before. And it, but he had Langard instead of the Rhyma, and he had the Mage on the Dragon rather than the General. Okay. It's deceptively shitty. Like, Marks is a little bit more clear because he's got bigger units to the Queen's Guard and he's got the Sea Guard, whereas Colin had Spears. But yeah, it pumps out a lot of damage. Like, you can't be sitting off this list. Those Queen's Guard are brutal. I was going to say, like, everyone used to run Queen's Guard. Are they as popular these days as they used to be? I think so. I think in the UK we get a little bit of a skewed perspective because there's not a lot of highborn, yeah, or not as much as elsewhere. But yeah, I think it, it, the dragon is obviously his his spicy pick with an ancient dragon, and it's his general as well. And there's lots of cannons and scary monsters kicking about. But uh, well, you can relate to that, right? We'll obviously get to your list in a bit, but that's that's your. Oh no, your dragon isn't your general. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I had. A, I had a pang of uh, reality <laughs> before submitting those. Um, do you think Elo's Heartwood is worth it? Uh, for a strength 5 full shot. But isn't it like 70 points? It's pricey. Yeah. It's 3 shots, right? 3 shots, yeah. So 3 strength 5 shots with magical attacks. I guess it's just to give the dragon something to do if he's not in combat. Because if he's not got any ranged output and he's not a mage, then that's a lot of points sitting doing nothing. And sometimes a dragon will just zone in a game. He won't actually do a lot of fighting. Mm. So at least it gives him something that he can be shooting at chaff or, you know, picking up little bits of points here and there or weakening the unit. Is the ancient dragon seven or eight wounds? He is strength seven. Seven wounds? Eight wounds? Uh, Hyper knowledge is failing me. See, no one plays fucking high buttons. So like, he has eight wounds. Fucking hell, yeah. He yeah, is. he's big. Three up armor, six attacks, strength seven. That is a big boy. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can get healing through the Master of Chrono Yes, you can. Uh, it's the um, the attribute. Oh, right. So it's not through the Druidism. It's through the Favor of Melodis. Yes. So you're not healing, you're just negating damage, right? Um, I think you can take that as one of the options, though. Yeah, Fountain Youth becomes the attribute. Okay, so you can and heal you back. Can, and you can choose from Druidism as well, so yeah, you can. What's the range of that? Not far. But then he's also got the um, the Hereditary. And he's got the Melodies. Yeah, so that's, that's what I was saying. So you can, yeah. you can negate damage. Yeah, range. which is really good for, for dragons and stuff. Yeah, and he's got Cosmo as well. Right, okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, I think people will make the mistake of thinking, oh, it's just like four units of elves, uh, but it's got quite a lot of punch. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think you want to be fighting this as quickly as possible, because if you set off, you're just going to get shot to shit. I like it, Mark. It's spicy. Cool. So moving on. Infernal Dwarves. Infernal Dwarves. So we have the lovely Matt Wilson, who's coming up from Durham. Uh, he's got a spicy list. I like this one as well. So he's got a Prophet of Shamut on the Great Bow of Shamut. Uh, Wizard Master Occultism, great weapon with the Flame of the East, which is still a terrible name. Why have they not changed that? 
he's got the Obsidian Rock because you do not leave home without it if you've got an expensive character on a mount. Uh, he's also got another prophet who's his general. See, Mark knows. Mark, Matt knows. Mark doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so this his prophet general is a prophet of Asheruk. He's on a seat of authority and he's an adept in pyromancy with shield and alchemist alloy. He's got a Torok commissioner who's his BSB with shield with Will- uh, Willow's ward, death cheater, and an infernal weapon with supernatural dexterity. That's a spicy build. I quite like that. He's got 20 Infernal Warriors with Blunderbuss <laughs> and Legion Banner. Uh, 28 Vassals with Spear and Shield and Bow with Flaming Standard and a Vassal Chief. Another 20 Vassals with Paired Weapons, Musician Standard and Relentless Company. So just a you know, throwaway scorer. Uh, 26 Shackled Slaves to be buffing those Blunderbuss boys. Four Torok anointed with Infernal Weapons, Shields, and Full Command. 18 Disciples of Lugar with Paired Weapons, Musician, Champion. An Infernal Bastion, also known as the Mobile Tower. And an Infernal Engine with the Rocket Battery. This is cool. I know this. Yeah. I don't like his core, but I like the rest. What do you not like about the core? Just the fact that he's got Blunder Buses? I don't think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this. I've been shot off by blunderbusses before, and it'll happen again at the weekend because I've said that. But yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan of the blunderbusses. But, what, are, uh, what are the what are the slaves doing to the blunderbusses these days? So are they still got their ammo bearers, rope? Yeah, exactly. I guess the 28 vassal levies will have the general in them because he's on the seat of authority. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. And then he'll yeah. have the... And the tower and the infernal warriors. Yeah, I like those characters. I think they're really nice. The anointed are fucking nails as well. And the Luger, are they still bent? Did they ever fix them? They did get nerfed, didn't they? I feel like all my Infernal Dwarf knowledge comes from watching Watch These Dice videos. The, the Torok and Oneida are, are solid. Um, yeah, I actually, like, and the Bull's cool, and it's good. Um, I, I do really like the list. I just don't like the, the Blunderbuss guys. I think he's needing them to pull their weight, and they won't. Wait a minute. They have changed the Blunderbuss. I am wrong. Range 12. One shot. Strength 5, AP3, accurate, march to shoot, quick to fire. Fuck's sake. Fucking infernal. <laughs> and does not suffer the negative to hit modifier from standard shoot reactions. Right, that is way better than it used to be. Okay, I apologise, Matt, maybe you have something else. <laughs> <laughs> you think the um, rocket battery choice on the engine, that's just a meta choice? He's like, expecting a lot just of repeats? Yeah. yeah, that blunderbuss unit's actually alright then. I mean, mm-hmm. they're still going to be fighting though. Because you're going to be 12 inches away from Sun. It'll be 20... Fucking hell. Still 20 strength 5 shots, though. Yeah, that change to the blunderbuss changes that. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm so glad I checked that. So you're, like, you're a fan of the list now, then? You like that course? Like, oh. uh, I, I do like it more now, yeah. <laughs> I see far... Because like, before... Because it used to be that like half the blunderbuss hits were strength 3. AP 0. Yeah. So, you, yeah, you, it would be really scary, but you'd maybe only do, like... 5 to 10 strength, actually probably less than that, yeah, probably about 5 to 8 strength 5 hits. So you were never really going to be able to do enough, but that, because 20 can shoot out the, the bastion. Uh-huh. That's uh, pretty brutal. So he just marches up in front of Sun, unloads 20 strength 5 shots of them, and then he's backing them to stay solid on the counter charge. Which is still risky. It's like 20 Infernal Warriors with just shields. Yeah, you're still red for if you get armor save. But, uh, yeah. 
That's, that added uh, ranks from the Bastion. So. That is way scarier than I initially gave it credit for. <laughs> what is what does Flame of the East actually do? So the Flame of the East, apart from offending your eardrums, it gives the wielder volcanic embrace D three. But they've changed fucking volcanic imprints. See this? Nobody knows what the fuck the Inferno is both. <laughs> fucking twenty versions of volcanic embrace. So volcanic embrace now is always set to strength four. Flaming, magical. No, it's not. The strength of these ground attacks is always equal to the armor of the model that hit that oh, the what? that the hit is distributed onto and has AP four. <laughs> so the profit in the bill is no joke. And he can heal through occultism. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I take it all back, Matt. You're a list class. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll move on. It's something we might know what the fuck we're talking about now. Right. That's, that's a bold claim for this. I know, game. and it is. And remember on the ogres, so fuck, this is where it all goes horribly wrong. So, ogre cans, we've got Craig Brady. And he is rocking a shaman general on shamanism. Destiny's Call, Magical Earring, and Gut Roader. That's pretty standard build for the Shaman, pretty solid. He's got a Mammoth Hunter with Wrestler's Belt, paired weapons with Supernatural Decks, Troll Leader, and Leader of the Pack. And then he's got Khan BSB with the Banner of Discipline. He has Horde Master, so he gets Plate Armor, and he gets Halberd, paired weapons, Iron Fist, and a Great Weapon. And he also has Liger's Tongue. He's got... 10 Brazers and Core with Stripe Banner, Full Command. He's got 6 Tribesmen with a Banner and a Musician with Iron Fists as a Bunker. He's Shaman will probably go in there. He's got 7 Mercenary Vets with the kind of default build, Iron Fist, Plate, Devastating Charge, Banner of Genget, 3 Kinniers, a Sabertooth Tiger, 5 Trappers, and a Mammoth. So that's a pretty... um. I feel like that's almost like the standard overbuild now. He's um Mammoth Hunter might be a little bit different, but Snowcow, Mercs, Bruisers and Core, Shaman General seems to be the kind of go-to these days, I think. Uh, and then we've got my list. So I also have a Shaman General. Mine is on Thaumaturgy. He's got a uh, Destiny's Call upgrade as well with Magical Heirloom and Gut Roader. My BSB is Khan with 2 plus armor save with Essence, and then he's got Viper's Curse on Abrasive Ogre Pistols and Cult Leader. I've got 10 Bruisers, Full Command, Banner and Discipline, 3 Bruisers with Musician, 3 Tribesmen with Iron Fists, Musician and Core, and then I've got 6 Merc Vets with Pistols, Poison and Plate. They've got a Flaming Banner, Full Command, 4 Tusker with Great Weapons and Stalker Standard, 2 Cats, Two units of three bombardiers with musician and a rock rock. So let's start with Craig's list. Have you played against this list before? I've well I've played against you before with a similar kind of list. Yeah. The Kinniers are relatively new. I've played against Ed with three Kinniers, mm-hmm. which are a pain in the hoop. Yeah, they're very good. I mean, he, he doesn't have Rotten Joe, which would have just. I always think if you're make, taking Max Kinniers, Rotten Joe's just nice, just because it lets you reroll your ambush. Right. Just so you can get, almost guarantee that all three can come on when you want them to come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you've got three, so chances are at least one, if not two, are probably going to come on in one turn anyway. So I guess he's got redundancy by taking three. And he's only got, well, he's got three characters, but the big names he's got on all of them are all pretty 
strong for what they're going to do. The gut roller for the channel and fear on the shaman. Troll Eater for a regen save and multiple things on the Hunter, and then he's got Holdmaster on the can, which just makes him a little bit more versatile if he's going to be in the vets, because um, they've got plate as well. So just keeps his armor saved the same as the unit and just gives him a bit of choice depending on what it is they're going to charge. So yeah. um, it's a pretty solid list. The only thing I don't know about in this list, and it's not that it's bad, it's just a preference thing, is the Tribesman, the unit of six. Yeah. Because he could put his shaman in there, but he might, he might just put them in the bruisers. I think when we played before, he ran shaman and BSB in there. And then that just guarantees that your bunker isn't going to panic. Because I've, I've not got Surfside on my bruisers, but I've got the discipline banner there instead. Yeah. For this, for the same reason, just so that if, if you generally lose your characters with ogres, you're fucked. Um, so it's just nice never having to worry about. You know, shit running off because he is only discipline eight. Like he's not got the crown like a lot of the European builds do with the, with the ogres. So um, that's quite nice. And then the hunter's good just because he's a hunter. Two plus four up hits really well. Pretty independent. Quite pricey um, though, eh? Yeah, four sixty. I mean, it's it's the balance. It's like, what do you want your hunter to do? If you want him to be more resilient, then you go for the points. Yeah. I mean, he's the supernatural decks and the paired weapons really helps helps him hit better and the agility buff is nice and he is pretty tanky four wounds res five with a two up four up and then obviously he's got leader of the pack so he can do his vanguard shenanigans yeah so he can get where he wants to be yeah, yeah. i mean it's solid it's like nothing wrong with it no um maybe you could definitely make the argument for dropping the hunter for a pyro edit and splitting the tribesman up into two threes but that's taste at that point. Like, and I actually really like the hunters. It gives it gives you a bit of a hard hitting, movable, mobile unit. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of like taking another monster. Yeah, like in but terms of resilience, forty by forty or something, right? Or fifty by fifty. Fifty by fifty. Yeah. Um, no, he's good. Um, yeah. He's definitely a good option. So, and your fucking filthy list. And my list. I don't think my list is filthy at all. Oh, you thought you were on a pretty good run? I mean, yeah, but I've just been playing you chump, so really, like, I don't know how much that's worth. I mean, saying that, I think last time we played, you you beat me. Fucking after, humbled you. <laughs> yeah, after my Merkvex bounced off your dragon. Everything bounces off my dragon. Unless it's a catapult stone, and that, he attracts them like nothing on earth. <laughs> Obviously, um, organising the event, I wasn't 100% sure whether or not I was going to be um, playing or not, so I just kind of put this down since this is what I've been playing last like five or six games yeah. so it's just nice to be able to play something and kind of know roughly what it does I'm not 100% sold on the Tuskers, um, they're good but I feel like sometimes they're a bit of a liability so yeah, quite expensive to be a liability yeah I mean they're just hit really hard they hit really hard, pretty tough they score, because I've got a Decent amount of shooting in the list. It's nice to have something that's got a good charge range. Yeah. And so they zone pretty well. And then the Merc Vets can fight if they need to as well. They're still Merc Vets at the end of the day. Like, But having the shooting, I think, is just really, really nice. Even only having two units of three Bombardiers with the Merc Vets and the BSB and Thaumaturgy, there is a, a decent amount of range pressure in the list. So... Not as aggro as Craig's, but that probably just suits my first there better anyway. I don't like just pushing up. I like yeah. being able to take my time and see what I can do. 
totally copied. We've already given him a shout out, but I totally copied. Um, watch these dice's tactic with the normally I run two units of three tribesmen. The I was going to ask you about this. Yeah, why one bruiser, one tribesman? So the bruisers, because they're going to be in dart, they can more reliably kill chaff. And they're discipline eight, whereas the tribesmen are only twelve. So it means they can be out of general bubble, but still within the eighteen inch. So they're less what are they, likely. What are the tribesmen? Seven. Dis- discipline seven, yeah. Tri- bruisers are eight, so they're just a little bit more reliable on further away from the general. Oh yeah. But yeah, that's my list. Rock Rock's been treating you well so far as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I think I was tempted to maybe drop him and take two giants instead, just to find the points for them to bring clubs, just because they're. More points efficient than a rock rock is, I think. Yeah, well, I really, I really like giants. I'm really strong. But you get what you pay for. Like a rock rock's gonna scare another monster more on the charge than a giant is. Yeah. I feel like him and the shit six tuskers and impact hits plus the poison shooting is kind of where my list will lean for those kind of matchups. Like that's what's gonna help me deal with those kind of threats like elders and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, cool. So that's my list. So we'll like move on. Like yeah. Um, so next up we have Orson Goblins. Longest Ed, fucking list. Jesus Christ. Eduardo Murdoku. Right. Okay. So Ed is bringing a Orc Warlord with his General, Iron Orc, Warbore, Duskforge, Plate Armor Shield, Omen of the Apocalypse, and Dragonfire Gem. So scary one-up re-rollable cowboy. Uh, he's got an Orc Shaman who's also on a boar. He's a Feral Orc. Lizard Master, Thaumaturgy, Paired Weapons, and Skull Fetish, because Skull Fetish is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. He's got a Orc Chief Common Orc on a War Boar, who's uh, the BSB. He's got Heavy Armor, Basalt, Obsidian Rock, and the Lucky Charm. Uh, and he's got two cowboy pieces of chaff in the form of goblins. <laughs> Oh, we're call them two pieces of shit. Well, they are two pieces of shit, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, on Scuttler Spiders. Uh, in core, he's got two tens of orc war boys, common orcs with lance, shield, uh, full command, and banners of speed. Actually, sorry, he's got three of them in core. One's feral, two are common. One's feral, two are common. Nasher team, two units, five grotlings, three scrap wagons, and then this is where the, the scary stuff is. He's got three splatters with orc overseers, two skewers, and a gargantua with a web launcher. I like so, everyone was giving him shit because he was running that fucking ogre gun line and he's been, oh, I'm screwed him up. Oh, it's alright, so right, guys, I won't bring a gun line. I'll just take <laughs> a gun line with cavalry. So, yeah, it's basically an artillery, a massive artillery park, um, which is protected by cavalry who can project out. Yeah, so they're, are there boars movement 7 plus 1 for the banner and then when yep. he does war cry, it'll be like movement 9? Nine. 9, yeah. There's just a lot of shit in this list, isn't there? Two yeah, scrap so wagons, two units of five, crotlings, and a Nasher wrecking team. Yeah. It doesn't really care about it if he loses. I think it's actually a deceptive list because you think that with all the cab he'll be quite pushy, but he won't be. He'll be no, using he empty wants, zone and set off. Yeah, he wants to He wants to give himself time to do something with the artillery, and yeah. then he can push when he thinks he can. Or if people just move up, then obviously he can more reliably get the charges with the, with the speed banners and stuff. Yeah. Magic choice, Thaumaturgy Master, pretty blasty again, so that leans into the gun line. Yeah, he's taking it for combat, isn't he? Yeah. It would have been nice if he could have... I mean, he's got a lot of shit in this list. I would have been tempted 
Not that thaumaturgy is bad, but I would have been tempted to get some witchcraft in this list. Yeah, yeah. Or um, shamanism would have been good for the the poor boys. Yeah, shamanism or witchcraft just to help against against shooting as well. Just because as soon as you start losing poor boys, those units just start becoming a lot less scary. I think that would be the one issue is that I think there there's quite a lot of stuff that doesn't care about the poor boys. I think there there are some lists coming that will just push into that because apart from the the scary cowboy and the artillery, like they don't they don't care about fighting them. I like the idea though that kind of I mean it is a gun line, but it projects out and the the board boys can run and get objectives at the end of the game and stuff like that. So I think it's a good list, and I think especially in this kind of uh, <coughs> <there. laughs> I think that it's strong because those five artillery pieces are going to get him a lot of points across the weekend if he can roll five ups. Well, let's just hope he rolls a lot of ones. Yes. Prick. Bring my gun line. It's perfect. Yeah. No, I think it, I think it's good, and I think Ed will do well with this. Right. We'll move on then. Sorry, ancients. We have. Yeah, this Kevin. is a nuanced army. <laughs> like, I feel like he's done this before when he's came up, right? Yeah. This this isn't new for David. I think this is actually yeah he, he's done double alpha before, but he's got Taurus on this one. I don't think he had a Taurus on the last one. David is rocking Saurian Ancients. He's got a Saurian Warlord on an Alpha Current Sword with a Halberd, Spirit of the Stampede, and a Binding Scroll. And then he has another Saurian Warlord on a, who's the General, on an Alpha Carnosaur with a Halberd. He's got the Starfall Shard, and he is not messing about the two Alpha Carnosaurs. Core, he's got 16 Saurian Warriors with Jaguar, which I believe is the plus one movement. Two units of Skink Braves with Shields, Poison Javelins, and Canons. Uh, full commands, and then he's got three units of Raptor Riders, two units of five running unit six, two units of three Rampadons, shields, and a Taurosaur with a great bow. So another pretty compact list. Mm-hmm. Two big scary monsters, lots of Cav, Rampadons are a pain in the dick, and a Taurosaur isn't a joke either. No. No magic, no BSB. But yeah, he obviously, him and Tim Botnick, Obviously got together and like, let's make the two most batshit insane lists. I mean, fucking Tim told them what to take. Like, I don't <laughs> think they would have any say in this list whatsoever. <laughs> Would you think, do you like this list? It doesn't have magic, so I'm going to say no off the bat. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's three scary monsters. I think the problem is, is that there's a lot of lists that can deal with this in the field. If you play like an idiot, this list will take you off though. If you let those alphas get in, Round your sides and round the back and stuff, then they're just gonna be eating points for fun. It's incredibly point click. Although I think there are lists in the field that absolutely don't want to play this. So, like, Brady's list does not want to play this because Brady can't deal with them at range. So, he is fighting those alphas one way or another, and the alphas will just destroy ogres. So, if, if Boxy's lucky in his draw, he can pick up points. But I think there's also a lot of lists that he doesn't want to play, like James's double shrieking horror, which we're about to come to, or Ed's. Artillery Park of Death. But he gets, just, he gets full cool points. Yeah, he does. Definitely cool points. Like, is that just a single Cayman in each of those kink braids? Or is that, will that be three? A single Cayman. Why do you take a single Cayman? Fills out core. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We've so, next up, we have... Silverbells. Uh, Silverbells, yeah. So, we have the new baby daddy, Danny Minto. And uh, we have Josh Burns. So Danny has a Forest Prince, Eagle King, 
with light armor, curse of the black stag, sylvan blades, spirit of the whirlwind, talisman shield, and, and dragonfire gem. He's got a druid general who's also an eagle king, wizard master, druidism, talisman of the void, obsidian rock, a thicket shepherd BSB, a dryad ancient with uh, adept on divina- divination, sorry, uh, 24 dryads with champion, 23 dryads with champion, 8 dryads, 8 dryads, 5 thicket beasts with champion, tree father, and 2 sevens of wild huntsmen with sylvan blades, standard bearers with the uh, band of the silent mist and champions, and a forest eagle. And then Josh has a tree father, ancient general, Wizard Master on Druidism with the Magical Heirloom. Uh, Chieftain on an Elven Horse, who's his BSB with just light armor. Um, with Curse of the Black Stag and Lance and a shield. And Core, he's got 11 Heath Hunters, sorry, Heath Riders with shield, Standard Bearer, um, sorry, full Command, Predator Pennant. Uh, 17 Sylvan Archers and Musician, 9 Dryads, 8 Dryads, 2 Tree Fathers, 2 Sevens of Wild Huntsmen, but his have got Lances and only one has a champion. Uh, cough, cough, wonder where the BSB's going. <laughs> and he's got two nines of Pathfinders. Two quite different lists. They have similar, similar elements, but some important changes. Yeah, so they're both quite combat-y. Danny's list almost goes full-blown tree, but then he's got, obviously, the Huntsman for some fast zoning things. Like, that's the one of the big downsides of running the tree lists, is you're fucking slow. Yeah. Um, but then I guess when you're running... Druidism, that's not necessarily a bad thing, because you physically can't get a bubble for spells. <laughs> so that's actually quite good. So you can actually be in range to be healed. Um, and obviously he's got the Forest Prince, which will pump out like a bajillion attacks on the charge. I don't know why he's got Sylvan Blades on the Huntsman and not Lances. Yeah, that's what jumped out to me as well. I feel like they're just instantly not scary now. Because they really are these two kind of heavy hitters, them and the tree father. Yeah, I mean, the thickets are not bad, but they're not. These are old and, yeah, they're not really for battering. And the dryads are okay, but they're not, I don't know. I feel like dryads aren't that great in combat, really. I think they're good for core. They're good for core, but against other shit, like, for half, like, for your, your two big blocks, there's plenty of other stuff that'll take them off. I think as soon as you start buffing them, they become really hard to deal with. Yeah, but they, that's it, though. They need the buffs. I mean, he's got Divination and Druidism. His magic's good. So he should be able to get at least one spell off to help him. His eagles flying about is a bit baller <laughs> in the age of magic missiles. His forest eagle? He's got the two eagle kings. Oh, right, I see. I mean, he's got a five up on the general... Sorry, on the Forest Prince, who isn't the general. There you go, there's another person that isn't, <laughs> isn't making their... Yeah, but then wait, you put the, the Druid also on an Eagle, who's just as easy to target. And, and doesn't have a special Yes, yeah, so if you kill him, you get the general and the wizard. Is there any value in having him with the single Eagle as a unit, flying around? Yeah, probably just to divide your hits. And then your Eagle can fly off and chaff if you need it. Or you can yeah. just hide behind a building or something. I mean, I guess you can just hide behind the thickets if you need to. It's quite, like, it doesn't look like it, but it's actually quite blocky because you've got the two dryads and the thicket beast. So you've got, he's got three pretty dependable blocks there for holding objectives and stuff. I just think he lacks a bit of punch. And mobility. I mean, the huntsmen are mobile, but they're not resilient. 
No. So if that's the only thing holding your flank, if they had lances, I feel like it would be better. Because then at least you would think about, do I want you to charge me? But yeah. I think things will just be like, yeah, fucking charge me if you want your strength four. Like, man. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, and then Josh's list, he's obviously got double chief father rather than single chief father. He's got lances on his huntsman and he's got two units and nine pathfinders, so he's got a lot more reach. Yeah, you can list. also do the bollocks with deploying the three chief fathers. So you deploy one in the one in the middle, and then you put the two further back at the side, because there's very little in the game that will charge a tree father and kill him in one turn. Yeah. So you almost bait people out, and then counter charge with the two. Uh, and he's got the seven lances for a little bit more punch. But again, I think given the other lists in the field, like the Pathfinders, I don't think are going to be great if they were Sentinels. You'd be feeling a little bit better, I think, anyway. Yeah, I mean, like the the Pathfinders are more expensive. Their 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 stats are better and they fight better, but then you don't really want them in combat. So yeah, maybe the I, I just think for like because there's a lot of monsters and you know tough stuff rather than heavy armored stuff. Yeah. And yeah, they might they not might not have the best to give, but the triple tree father is is strong. And that could be enough to punch his way through with the support of the, the Wild Huntsman. Yeah, so do, who's your preference then if you had to choose a, a list of the two? I think probably Josh's just because he's got more of that punch. I don't know how long Dan has been playing something else. I'm assuming this is a new army for him, because he's, I know he's running Dread Elves and he's running UD at our events. Yep. So I think Danny's we'll s- list is cooler and he gets more swag points. But I think Josh is probably going to be better in the field, just because I think he's got better answers. Cool. Okay, so two interesting lists. Let's move on to the next army, which we have, Undying Dynasties. Worst um, dead. First up, we've got David Bowes, or David Bowes, or David's from Ireland, however or you want to address him. Dickhead. David Paper Arms, whatever you want to go with. <laughs> um, all names gone by Andrew. You heard it here first. Right, so David is running a Pharaoh as a general on the Shah Guardian light armor with a group weapon with God's Slayer upgrade. Crown of the Pharaohs with the Obsidian Rock. Uh, he has two Death Cult Hierarchs. One's a Wizard Master with Evocation, Talisman of the Void, Crystal Ball, with the soul conduit. And then his second hierarch has the Ark of Ages, who's an adept on divination, with Book of Arcane Mastery, who has the Hierophant upgrades. And then he's got six skeleton chariots, which are Legion Charioteers. They've got full command and stalker standard. He's got 20 skeletons with musician, two units of skeleton scouts. And then he's got four tomb cataphracts with musician champ, two carnal catapults, and two colossuses with paired weapons. And we have a second UD army, a contender. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. In the shape of Shane Baxter. And he is running also a pharaoh as his general with light armor with Destiny's Call. He's rocking the God Slayer on a group weapon. He's got the Ankh of Naptesh. This is a terracotta list. And for his magic, he's running double adept. One Death Cult Hierarch on Evocation with Book of the Dead. And the second one is an Adept on Cosmo with the Scroll of Desiccation. He's also got a Tomb Harbinger. He's got Essence of Mithril, Hand Weapon with Scourge of the Kings. And then in Court, he's got six Skeleton Chariots that are Legion Charioteers. 
tool commands, stalker standard, and then he's got 20 skeletons with position, 20 skeleton archers with position 30, necropolis guard with paired weapons, tool commands, and they have the banner of relentless company. And then he's got two battle sphinxes and one dread sphinx. So pretty different lists. These are two of my favourite lists. Why? So that I... you can lord over them both when you <laughs> proclaim yourself best undead. The greatest undead. <laughs> no, I think I think they're both really good lists. It was it's actually funny because I was talking to David the other day about uh, when Gareth won TSC and he took his terracotta list. Yeah. And I was saying to David, I was like, oh, it's weird that you don't see more of them because I think they're really good. And then <laughs> I saw that Shane's bringing this. Um, I think oh, Dave's been playing that list for a while now and it's solid. It's really, really strong. Mm. Um, he's got multiple threats and he can sit off for quite long in the game because he's got such a uh, reach through his magic and his things like his chariots. And he's so mobile with the Shag Guardian and the Colossus that they can move about in position while he's taking, you know, putting out range damage. Um, and really, you can, depending on what he's playing against, he can dictate the game. And the Charnel Catapults are really strong. Uh, but a special role for the, 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 um, Panic Project. Yeah. 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 Um, and Shane's list, um, he's got two super, uh, scary threats and the Toughness 5 Chariots and the Toughness 4, uh, Necropolis Guard. Actually saying that. No, the Toughness 5 Necropolis Guard. Holy fuck. There's Toughness 4 base, I think. And then he's got three Sphinxes of various varieties. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're both really good. Um, Shane's has obviously got limited magic because he doesn't need it because he can't be healing because of Terracotta. So he can be healing, but everything's like heal one. So it's not as good. So, but I still think double adept is going to be enough. Yeah, I, I really like both of these. Mm. Do people think, not generally bring architects when they bring Craig Monsters and Terracotta? Yeah, so you can give them the, uh, the regen. Is that just not worth it here? Why do you think he's not? Uh, I don't know. He's maybe just not able to fit in. Just going to throw balls to the wall. Well, because he, he does have two very expensive blocks and three monsters. So yeah. for, for any other list, you know, that's your capacity anyway. And on top of that, he's got his Pharaoh and his, his other bits and pieces. The one thing, and this is really the only thing I don't like about it, is that the Pharaoh's on foot. Yeah. And, and the, the, the Pharaoh or the Chariot. What's the deal with the Harbinger in Shane's list? So the Harbinger... He's a two-up armor save, and he's got Scourge of the Kings, which is the... You get rerolls of wind and jewels, I think. Yeah, and then... Yeah, because Godslayer is the... If you have an Aegis save, you die. Yeah, basically. It's just... Just don't even deploy your, your character. Yeah, take him off. Yeah. And what's really good as well is when you do a phrase and you try and cast an Aegis save on the character that doesn't have an Aegis save because it's <laughs> dual with the Godslayer. <laughs> good time. Uh, so the, the Harbinger... Is he just there as protection to, to take challenges? Yeah, I don't really get why he's there, to be honest. So he gets the Royal Guard, so he gets... He counts his rank and file for Undying Will. So he becomes relatively decent because of Undying Will. And he gives the unit battle focus. So he's potentially there to... So are we thinking him and the Pharaoh go in the Necropolis Guard then? Well, yeah, they must do. So yeah, so then the, the Necropolis Guard have got battle focus, poison, lethal strike. And then he also is helping protect the Pharaoh from any challenge that he doesn't want to take. Yeah. If he loses his champion, presumably. Yeah. 
Because he's in the same unit as the Pharaoh, he has to issue a challenge and he has to accept challenges. Right, okay. Didn't need to make the Necropolis Guard any scarier because already nobody wants to fight that unit. No. So I think he could have moved these points around to make the Pharaoh more mobile and maybe taken an architect. That's personal preference, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, with those two characters in that unit, nothing will fight it. And if anything does fight it, I, like, there's nothing in the field that I think will fight that one on one on one. Like, Bergfets will, will hit it hard, but then they'll get the shit kicked out of them. I mean, what agility are Necrol? Uh, two, I think. Maybe three. Maybe double check. I don't last then. Especially with a cow. Uh, they're agility three. Do you think Merkvets go through then, though? They're toughness five. Well, the default build is strength 6 on the charge, so you're winning on 3s. Because you're strength 5 base, so strength 6. You're faster, so you should get the charge off. You better fucking hope you do a lot of damage, though, because you're dying in return. Well, with the BSB, if you're taking 7, you've got D3 plus 1 impact hits, and then another 6. And then you're going first. So the Merkvec unit will pump out 28 attacks. And then you'll be hitting on 3s. 3s and 3s, because you're less 5. And yeah. then you, you've got a BSB in there as well that's going to do something. And then you've got stomps, what, whatever's left. Yeah, just don't whiff. <laughs> yeah, don't whiff. I mean, obviously if they're buffed, then that completely changes the fight, obviously. Yeah. No, evil evil and Cosmo are pretty, pretty fucking solid. So, yeah, I was just thinking that when you were talking about them. That's where my mind went instantly. It's like, I wonder then how they compare with something like Merkvets. Yeah, so maybe, maybe the Merkvets go through them. Yeah, and I mean, they're they're similarly costed. I mean, the next thing, Acropolis Guard will be more expensive just by virtue of the fact that they'll have those two characters in there. Yeah. But the actual unit themselves are about the same. So, yeah, interesting fight. I'm just double checking what the act does. Cause does that make him a Hierophant? Is that what that does? Or is that the book that does that? It does make him a Hierophant, yeah. And it gives rank and file models in the various unit six of fortitude. Okay. That, that's probably a key piece that we should have looked up before we started reviewing this. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Yeah, they're both really cool lists. Yeah, um, I like them both. Shane's is a little bit more balls to the wall, but David's has got that little bit more flexibility because he's got more range. Moving on to the, the real undead. Is what the some real like and best. Right, I'll let you take this list. Go for it. So there's two vampires. There's a pretender and the king. The pretender is James McDonnell from somewhere like Ireland, I believe. <laughs> he has a vampire king general. Uh, who's independent, arcane knowledge, monstrous revenant, uh, wizard master on occultism. He's got shield, heavy armor, basalt fusion, great weapon, the eternity gem, and obsidian rock. He's got a necromancer, wizard adept, evocation, and necromantic staff. Two banshees, 30 skeleton spears with banner of speed, 30 skeletons with paired weapons and legion, not paired weapons, sorry, parry with legion standard, 24 zombies with musician, 8 direwolves champion, 2 times altars of undeath, a unit of Great Bat Chaff, six Spectral Hunters, and two Shrieking Horrors. The King has a Vampire Count, an independent Arcane Knowledge on a Zombie Dragon, his Wizard Master, Occultism, Halberd with Blessed Inscriptions, Binding Scroll, and Obsidian Rock. He's got Necromancer General with Dead Arise, Wizard Adept, Evocation, and Necromantic Staff. Uh, he has a Felry. Monstrous Revenant. I've just noticed I'm talking about myself. And the <laughs> I wasn't going to uh, say anything. I, was I have a Felwraith uh, on Monstrous Revenant with a great weapon in Cleansing Light. I've got three units of 30 skeleton spears with full command, Legion banners. 
I've got Dark Coach, two authors of Undead, five Spectral Hunters, and a Shrieking Horror. So James has gone more shooty, mm-hmm. and I've kind of gone a little bit more, not dynamic, dynamic's the wrong word, uh, but like a, a little bit, yeah, more dragon, a little bit more punchy. Trying to be as objective as possible, given that we've covered most of the lists now. Which of these two lists do you think is better suited? Oh, I think James's. You think James's is? Yeah, I think Double Shrieking Horror is really strong in, in the field, given that there's just so many monsters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when and you... the, the mobile occultism master on, with Arcane Knowledge is just immense. He's so, so good. So I think James's list is definitely better suited to the other lists in the field. The problem is, is that like it's bad if I come up against like the artillery parks or the Empire Cannons. It's really bad if James comes up against them. Yeah. Because the the horrors are so fragile. But I do think that like stuff like uh, Boxy's list with the double alpha, if he if he plays James, I will be amazed if he gets a point. And that's got nothing to do with player skill. That's just that those two lists are the like opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Did you get the idea to take a monstrous revenant character from James? Uh no, so James got his <laughs> The, the bulk of his list came from the Spanish ETC list, which we both right. saw and we both said was good. Like, James and I have been talking a lot about vampires. And so he's taken that and he's, he's tweaked it and he's come out with this, which I think is really good. I came up with the Monsters Revenant because I had 500 points left and I didn't want to take Wing Reapers, so I was desperately trying to find yeah. stuff that fit. And I couldn't fit a, a Barrow King BSB cowboy in. So I was like, oh, how much does a Revenant cost on a Felwraith? And he's mm. insanely cheap, like he's 285 points. He might be dog shit. I've never, I've only played him once in the weekend where he did nothing and died. So he might be terrible, but I've got a really nice model for him now, so I'm going to use him. I think for what you get for the points, feels like he should be useful. Even if he doesn't like win your games, he still seems like quite a versatile piece. Yeah. Um, he's just there to be a pain in the arse, basically. Yeah, he's, he's a fairly cheap cowboy that gives you some tools to deal with some things, so I think that's, I don't think it's a bad option. Like your list is probably more res- um, reflective of your playstyle. Like James is obviously a little bit more of a passive player. He likes to. He's a little bit more like me. Probably he's less aggressive. Like your dragon has the potential to get you a lot of points. Yeah. Depending on the matchup, and he is also a pain in the deck to deal with. James doesn't have a coach in his list, but his but his general is the vampire, and it's got um, yeah. So, he, so he's yeah. going with an eighteen-inch pole. So he can't be as aggressive with him, but he probably doesn't want to be anyway. No, so he wants to be a bit more. Compromise. But you can kind of sit off and like the Banshees can deal with little units and chaff and stuff, and then the altars are there just powering up in the back, because if you if you overcommit against this list, the horrors get around you, he bogs you down, and he just starts taking points. Yeah. So you've either got to be sure that you batter through like the skeletons and all the shit, in order to get the weak underbelly, or you need to set off and pick off stuff like the horrors. I feel like that's probably the way to go. But I think double shrieking horror in this field is really strong. And again, like I played double horror for a while, and in the in the right matchup, they they win you games and they win you games big. But yeah, in bad matchups, that's a thousand points, and you've got nothing else in the list to compensate for that loss. But at the same yeah. time, like if I was the dragon, then I lose. So like, it's just the dragon's more resilient. But like he, when I played Barton at the weekend, and he absolutely hammered me. Mm. Um, he killed my horror turn one, and I felt that. 
And how did he do that? He three dice, one and six, and rolled an 18. I'm not better about it. <laughs> and then rolled seven wounds, and then made one save, and lost a hard time. I'm not better about it, but it's fine. It's cool. These things happen. Okay. Right. I mean, I'm, I, won't, I won't bring it up. <laughs> I was going to bring it up, but I'm glad it came up organically. That's cool. I mean, I'm not better about it. It's fine. It's just, you know, it's funny how the dice just fucking hit me. It's cool. It's fine. Yeah. And these were, these were your new dice, right? Ah, shit, man. I think we made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Oh, I'm a bit worried to use my new dice now. I might just stick with the old ones. God. My dad actually texted me right just now. He's he's uh, down at the Falker Club playing just now. And he said, I used your red dice for the first time because I gave him a couple and he sent me a photo of a one. So I feel like that's a bad omen. But maybe uh, this was just, maybe it was just getting on the bad rules out in that one game. Maybe okay. they're going to be better. Here's hoping. Right, we'll move on. So yep. very last army book, we have Warriors of the Dark Gods and we have three people playing this army, so this is the most popular book on show. So first up, we have Ernestus, so he is one of our newest uh, wildlings to join the group. Club. So this is his first event, so very exciting stuff. He is taking an Exalted Herald, uh, not as his general, you see, well, there's a pattern here, big expensive shit, shouldn't be your general. Bad as generals. So is it only James so far that's done this? Uh, Mark's got his dragon in his general. Oh, okay. So there's been two people that's done it, right? Okay. Well, we'll see. Be interesting to come back to that if we ever do like a post-event review. If they ever rue the day that they made their expensive single models for general. His actual general is a sorcerer who is an adept in alchemy with plate armor, basalt fusion. He's got paired weapons with Hero's Heart, Magical Heirloom, and the Obsidian Rock. He has a unit of 18 warriors and a unit of 17 warriors, both with full command and core. One of them's got the Ether Icon and one of them's got the Torch. He's got six Forsworn with Damnation, Spike Shields, and Icon of Infinite and Special. And he's got a Chosen Chariot of Envy and a regular Warrior Chariot. He's got two units of five Warhounds and two Elders with paired weapons. So another pretty compact list. I guess that's less unusual for warriors. Yeah. Pretty solid. And then we've got uh, Gary Wiper. So Gary is another new Wildling member. We're so popular, Paul. <sighs> I know. It's crazy. Gary has been to the club before, but I think this is the first event, right? Uh, no, he played in Strife a couple of years ago. Uh, was that with Highborn Elves? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he played Warriors the first time. So um, Gary's list is pretty different. He is bringing a Doom Lord as his general. Who has uh, Death Cheater, Great Weapon, Immortal Gauntlets, and Lord of the Damned. He's got a Sorcerer on a Black Steed, Wizard Master, Evocation, with Plate Armor, Heirloom, and Talisman of the Void. He's got 25 Warriors and Core with Paired Weapons in Gluttony and the Zealot Banner. Eight Barbarian Horsemen with Light Lance Shield, Full Command. Two units of six Wretched Ones. Five Horsewarm with Spike Shields with Full Command and a Flame Standard. Two fives warhounds and two forsaken ones, and then the final warriors list is also very <laughs> different, and that is being run by the one and only Tim Botnick, master of shenanigans, who is bringing the least shenanigany list I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> He's rocking a felgic ancestor as the general with a great weapon. He's got two doom lords, both identical, both on wasteland behemoths with trophy rack. 
They have paired weapons and a binding scroll. He's got two units of 34 barbarians with spear and shield with rounding banners for command and core. Two chimeras, two units of five barbarian horsemen with shields and musicians, and three marauding giants with tribal war spears. So not a single warrior in that list. <laughs> um, so three very different warrior lists, which is really cool. It's cool. Thought, right, we'll start with Anestis. Thoughts on his list? Uh, solid. Solid. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Yeah. The yep. Herald Adept combo, pretty. I feel like that's almost like the go-to build for a lot of people these days. Yeah. He's got the Wasting Torch as well, which I would never leave home without if I was a Warriors player. I think it's really good. Yeah, synergizes really nice with Alchemy. He's got Damnation and Spike Shields on his Force One. I don't know if I would have taken both. I might have just taken one or the other. I mean, it's a solid block. Two plus armor save, and your Spike Shield hits are amazing. But they're both quite expensive upgrades. And given that if you're taking Damnation, you kind of want them to pop, I feel like that extra cost probably isn't worth it. So I feel like if you're running yeah, Damnation, I see what you mean. Yeah. you're better running them with Damnation and just take like paired weapons, and then you're actually getting 18 attacks rather than just your shitty two attack space, which is rubbish. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's a solid block, hard to shift, and then double Elder. I mean, yeah. Elder's double Elder. So good. Yeah. yeah. Among the best monsters in the game. Fucking pricey, though, 490 points each. Right. Gary's list. I mean, seems familiar. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, double, double max wretched ones and uh, double forsaken ones, pretty good. Um, and then he's got the force one bunker from the Doom Lord to sit in. And then he's got a big block of warriors and core that will pump out something like, well, even if he if he only runs them six wide, he's pumping out like 31 attacks. Offensive skill six. That will go to shrine five if he wins that first round of combat. That's fucking mental. <laughs> I mean, it's 700 points, but it pumps out some amount of damage. Tell you what, that might give the uh, Terracotta unit a run for its money. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really good. My only my criticism of, of this list is he's got two units of six wretched ones that pump out shrine four attacks. I feel like, and they're AP not, and the gluttony buff doesn't give you AP when yeah. you get the plus one shrine. So this will struggle against armor, this list. There's not a huge amount of armor kicking about, though. No, I guess that's true. So he's got an awful light there, because that yeah. was always the big thing that my list struggled with when I used to run something similar. Um, and the, But, I mean, fortunately, the Doom Lord helps there as well, because he's like AP4 with Flaming or Divine, which is really good. And in the Force form, he's going to be... He's going to have bodyguards, so that's really nice. So he's going to be super tough to break down. He needs to protect the Sorcerer, though, because that bar portion unit isn't great. It's a panic check waiting to happen, eh? I mean, they get a reroll, but yeah, it's just I mean, you kind of look at their stats and think, ah, oh, they're actually alright, but not a shit in combat. Like, that unit isn't there really to fight, and if I was him, I wouldn't be throwing it into shit. You just, just to keep the wizard alive and to be casting spells. Of course, Warren are scoring, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the bar horsemen are also scoring, so I guess it gives them some speed and mobility in some of the objectives where that will help, but yeah. I like both those lists. They're pretty fragile, but yeah, I mean, they're both lists are really solid. I like the Doomlord build. I would have taken a spike shield on the Doomlord, 
He doesn't have one. Yeah, because why not? Because you can use both, right? You can use both. It's, it, I mean, it's expensive. It's at 50 points for him to take a spec shield. Um, you get this. You get a vanilla shield as standard, so it's probably just been lack of points. Points, yeah. Um, and then Tim's list is just mental. Yeah, let's talk about Tim's list. So he's so, got six monsters and two blocks and some other shit that doesn't really matter. You know what I love about Tim? That's the spirit of the game right there. That's that I don't give a shit what you're bringing. I'm bringing six monsters. I'm going to throw them at you and see what happens. <laughs> I don't think it's a good list. No, I've got. I mean, I would. But I think it's a very. List. It's a. It's a balls out list. And you know what? You'll throw it at people, and people will panic, and you you will get in at people. I mean, people will literally. Well, I mean, their fucking army will probably panic because it's got like six terror checks that they're gonna have to fucking do. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think. I mean, he's kept the ancestor cheap, which is good. I don't like the great weapon on him. Um, no, I think that it's, seems, seems silly. It, it seems silly. I would have just gone halberd. Um, strength eight's enough, and I would have put. If you want to be good at monsters, halberd and supernatural decks. You'll be hitting monsters on twos, and you'll be still winding them on twos, and you'll be agility five base. So even if they charge you, you'll still probably go first before a lot of monsters will. Yeah. Paired weapons and supernatural decks is also a really strong choice and probably more common than the halberd option. But if you want them to be good against monsters, I think the halberd is better than a great weapon. Yeah, I agree. The Doom Lord and Behemoth thing is cool. I'm almost 100% confident that when they lose combat and you get the Doom Lord's second lot of attacks, the Behemoth also gets attacked. So when you lose them, it's a lot of attacks coming back. It's only strength 5 on the Doom Lord, though. Which, I don't know if he's just taking these to be... These are his infantry killers, and his ancestors there to go after monsters. And then yeah. he's got the spear giants, which are also doing multi-wounds to anything with Terran Presence. So the giants are, like, obviously very good in a field with tons of monsters, and they're still a monster themselves, so they're still getting, like, a D6 stomp. Yeah. The, the spear also makes them strength 6. So it's basically, yeah, like... wounds against Terran as well, right? It's, like, an extra 10 points than a club, and it gives you multi-wounds. It yeah, also... Stops the agility buff if they're charged. So if, if he's got one of these and the spear blocks, you're not getting the agility for charging the spear blocks, and then the spear blocks are also getting the plus two from their spear. So that helps. And they have rending banner. So again, not a lot of armor lists in the tournament, but still, he's got tools there that can deal with armor. Chimeras are really nice, super fast, cheap. Can go after war machines. Can chaff if they need to. Um, can go for a flank as a support charge or something like that, so they're pretty nice. And then he's just got the bug horse as some fast scoring slash chaff in a non-flags match. Pretty straightforward list. It's it's super cool, and I'm very excited to see it, because I know Tim's very good at the old hobby. That would be cool, yeah. Um, I want to see what models he's using for everything. Uh, three very cool lists. Yeah, so kind of similar to UD, like um, very different despite multiple people running the book. So it's nice to see variety yeah. in this building. Same with the vampires as well. And in fact, most of the books that people are bringing most of, it doesn't seem to be necessarily one default build. Maybe the Sylvan Elves are the most common because the Empire builds, I feel, are quite different mm-hmm. from each other. So yeah, that's our 18 list. So what do you think? What's your fave? I like both the... Uh... UD lists. Mm-hmm. I like Matt's list. There is that I know that he scores and shit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they'll be my they'll be my top three favorite lists. Top three? Oof, I don't think I have a top three. I like I like Gary's list, but that's just because it's like the list I used to open, and it's just super fun to play. Yeah, um, I can attest to that. And it's still good. I don't think it's a great list, but Tim's list is. <laughs> I mean, just seeing six monsters on the table. Yeah, cool. Is really cool, and he's still got two decent sized blocks. So it's still he's still got some rank and file there. For a third list, I don't know. I mean, Shane's list is cool, like triple sphinx. Again, similar to Tim, it's just like balls out. So many monsters, eh? Yeah, I actually, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. It's fine. Um, <laughs> what are you going to say? Come on. No, no, I can't. No, 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 no. I don't want to give anything away. Oh, um, you're going to say about. Oh, you're going to say about matchups. I was going to say something about a particular matchup, and I, I was curious to see how it's going to go, but I'm not going to say anything. I kind of like Matt's list, partly just because it's ID, and I, and despite the book being a fucking travesty, <laughs> I do like Infernal Dwarves. I think they're a cool like idea for a book. And again, he's he's very good at the old hobby, so I like seeing Matt's uh, ID. I feel like he's got most of this painted, though, right? So you have need to have done his Infernal Bastion, but I think I've seen him run everything. Oh, we've seen the Great Bull and we've seen the, the engines the snail, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. Be a fun tournament. I think there's going to be a lot of crazy... I think there'll be a lot of people want, wanting to play each other for the roles, and then there'll be certain people that will <laughs> want to stay the fuck away from other people. <laughs> so it'll be pretty funny when they get matched up inevitably. Yeah. Predictions? If you had to say... Who's going to win it? See, there's no second gotcha. place, right? So who's just going to win? Who's going to get all the points? I, I really don't know. I think the, I think genuinely, the, there's no list that screams to me that's a real Godium contender. Mm-hmm. I think there's certain lists which aren't as strong and mm-hmm. struggle in the field because of the other lists, but I think most of these lists should be going into this event feeling pretty confident that if they get a good string of games and they get a little bit of luck that they could be pushing there because... I think that the the field's very even in terms of player scale as well. Yeah, I we're all about the same the same shit all, as level. Oh shit. I think it's gonna be a really cracking cracking weekend. Obviously the lists that stand out are are the are the crazy lists that are just going fucking balls to the wall, but I don't necessarily think that they're any better to, to win it than some of the other ones that are a little bit more well rounded, so anyone could win it. Yeah. No, I, I generally think that. And like it is, it's just going to come down to matchups. And like if the cannons show up in the against the monster heavy ones, or if the two empire play against each other, that's going to be a weird game because neither of them want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like if Ed gets a string of you know if his war machines hit, then he could be pushing up the top. But then equally, if James gets a good run of matchups with double shooting horror, and he plays a lot against a lot of the monsters, then he'll be looking at pushing up as well. So I think, yeah, I genuinely think anyone could could win this one, and it'll be. It'll come down to a little bit of luck and certain matchups coming up, which is a great way to be going into a bit. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to it. So, is there anything else we want to say before we wrap up then? Uh, no, just to thank the sponsors, thank everyone for coming to the event. Um, I know COVID being what it is, and you know, there's a ton of events that seem to be getting announced these days so just thanks for choosing to come to one of ours um, hope everyone enjoys themselves and should be good crack 
Awesome. Looking forward to it. If you want to get in contact with the podcast, you can do so via email at scottishwildlands at gmail.com. You can grab us on Twitter. I am MGR Lost Cause and Paul is Space Goblin 1. You can grab us on the forum. I'm Lost Cause and Paul Space Goblin. Or you can come to one of our events and say hi. And if you are coming to one of the North on Saturday, we will see you there. Catch you later. Yeah, take it easy, guys. See you next time.